The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. When it's time to hire, I know that finding the right person for your company can be challenging. There's a lot of weirdos out there. And this is especially true when you're trying to hire for a small business where every employee truly impacts the organization. So when you're ready to find that next hire, my buddy LinkedIn can help. LinkedIn Jobs matches your role with qualified candidates so that you can find the right person quickly. LinkedIn is an active community of professionals with 600 75 million members worldwide. You guys know what LinkedIn is. Do I have to tell you? This is the best way to get a job. This is the best way to find people to fill the role for your job. People who are the right kind of people. It shows you who's a friend of a friend or a friend of a friend of a friend. So you can get some sort of natural um, community background check in that way so that you know you're hiring the right person for the job. Now, You could pay what you want and get the first 50 bucks off if you just visit linkedin.com slash team right now. Again, that's linkedin.com slash team to get 50 bucks off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. Christmas in April came in the form of the desperately awaited 2020 NFL Draft. After two days of tearing the wrapping paper off the boxes that hid unknown treasures, we sit on the floor amidst the detritus of the gluttonous frenzy, wondering if Santa brought us what we wanted or what we needed. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. It's April 26, 2020. This is Tom coming to you from Sawdust Studios at the Washington, D.C. Outpost, and Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. I'm, I'm having postpartum blues. i, I got to be honest with you. I'm not, we, this, it's not an um, indictment of the draft necessarily, just sort of like the anticipation, just especially among you know, being locked down and having no news. Well, yeah, I get, we could start a negative because I, I'm with you that way in terms of it felt like there were actually sports this weekend. We were calling each other while things happened. We were linking P. Butch in. I made a horrible decision where my sister and I had decided to have a uh, little double date Skype uh, whatever. You know, her boyfriend and her hold up in D.C. My girlfriend and I hold up here in Houston. And we decided, yeah, we'll do it on Friday. I didn't realize what time she had wanted it for. Of course, it was during the second round of the draft. So I'm sitting there, phone open, just one eye on the phone, one eye on the Skype, and just waiting to see that Steelers draft pick come through. One eye on there. No regard for what a jerk I must have looked like at certain times. And to the point where we made the pick and I snuck into the bathroom to call you and P. Butch so that we could dissect Chase Claypool. But yeah, postpartum, if it was maybe one of the most fun drafts yet, just as a result of 
not having other any other sports activity uh, in the past, you know, number of weeks. I will say though, my um, assessment is that we we should have stifling special teams this year. But I yeah. don't think. But I, I can't can't really get excited about anybody. I mean, really, we have a great first round pick who played last season, and then. That's true. You know, everything written about these guys, There's everybody has positives and negatives. And Chase Claypool, there's one aspect about his game that excites me. We'll talk about that. But the rest of these guys, we'll go through it. I'll tell you what my sort of glass-half-empty view is. Okay, I, I'm on the totally opposite side. I think that, first things first, you only have how, how many picks? Two in the first top 100, if that? Um, you're, one. Yeah, One. I mean, this draft, in my opinion, you got Mink, first off, you got Minka Fitzpatrick and Devin Bush because of the early third that you traded away. You got yeah. Chase Claypool, who not only is a hundred percent going to get playing time this year, there's a chance he could push to be, you know, a big time playmaker. We'll, we'll get into him later, but especially now that you've got him at the same time as getting Eric Ebron, you think about the idea of running Juju and Deontay on the outside with Ebron. And Claypool on the inside, a la those Patriots teams with Hernandez and Gronk. There's some really exciting things that go on there. Highsmith in the second round at edge. We all knew that we were taking an edge. We all knew that that edge had a 0% chance of starting this year because Bud Dupree is going to be here. A little bit more on Bud signing his franchise tag, by the way, later. But um, I think that they got an edge who actually has some athletic upside, unlike the guys who have played there recently, unlike Chicolo. Um, I do actually agree, but the fact that both those guys are special team studs actually makes me feel better after losing all of the best special teams players, Rosie Nix, Tyler Matakiewicz, Chicolo, And these guys have more offensive and defensive value potentially than a lot of those dudes. Um, I like the selection of um, the running back that we got from... Maryland, Anthony McFarland. We'll talk about whether we thought that was the right position to go with at that time. Maybe not. Maybe yes. Maybe no. But either way, that I I believe he's the fastest person on the offense now. So you have somebody who's who's got something that nobody else on the offense has. This is sort of what we were looking for in Kareth White last year. We made a lot of points about this is the only guy in the Steelers who could break a 50-yard run. You know, the rest of these guys aren't that type of player. So I'm excited about that. And then Dotson, the guard from... Louisiana Lafayette, I really feel like we spent a lot of time in the offseason talking about being scared of the decline of this offensive line. The Steelers have always known that they have offensive line. They have an offensive line behind the offensive line for the past few years. And now I think that they're completely solidified. And not only you know, do they have multiple guards to fill the spot, but they get more flexibility as well with somebody like Filer. So I'm pretty pumped on it. Um, I feel good because at the end of the day, you, it's Minka Fitzpatrick is the draft pick. Yeah, I, I buy that. And I also acknowledge, you know, as you go down the ladder, you're going to have less talented guys. It's just that, man, these guys weren't even on the radar screen for me. I mean, did I see their names? No, I actually knew Claypool and, and then Alex Highsmith. He played at Charlotte for crying out loud. And I think that's what you and I were, t- well, I know that's what you and I were talking about yesterday. No slam on him. I'd love, I love, love, love when the Steelers pick somebody maybe out of nowhere, small school, 
And uh, and he turns out to be something because I've always contended, and we have a little disagreement on this, guys are still developing during college. I know your view is that you see it freshman or sophomore year, it's not going to happen. And we don't know what this, this guy is not necessarily not capable simply because he played at Charlotte. It's just that I haven't seen him play against consistently uh, good talent. Right. Everybody talks about the Clemson game that he played, even Debo. I always want to call him freaking Debo Samuel. Debo Sweeney, the, the, the uh, coach for Clemson, actually made a point of talking about Alex, or, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Alex Highsmith before they actually played with him, and he showed up big time in that game. He looked great against that competition. I mean, if you watch that game that he played against Clemson, he's consistently the first out of you know the 10 linemen on the field off the ball. This guy explodes off the ball. But to your point, that's the only time we got to see him do it. So it remains to be seen. I don't know if we want to – I don't know if you want to go down the list right now um, and go in order, but maybe let's just stick yeah, – this, you want to get to that? Because yeah, okay, let's, go let's, the, let's, let's wrap let's go up the, the overall order. thoughts. Because it sounds like you hated the draft. I'm, Hate I'm strong. surprised. I feel like uh, I had a lot. I got a lot of presents at Christmas, and I didn't get that GI Joe with the parachute. What did you want? What would have made you happy? Well, Minka Fitzpatrick makes me happy, and you know, but he's a toy I got a year ago. So maybe I'm undervaluing it because uh, he wasn't selected over the weekend. And I, and I do. I, I, I'll tell you. So if we can go down. Can we just start with Chase Claypool? Yeah, let's start with, with The him. most exciting aspect of this whole thing is that Ebron and Claypool in the red zone. And I could just – and Ben back – Ben throwing the ball. Yeah, I mean, two pieces it seems like of absolute of, it sounds like a free. It sounds like a free throw at that point to score a touchdown. Sure. I think that th- that's great. Uh, you know what? Actually, before we get to Claypool, because I think this brings up a good point. I think there is some Steelers fans out there who are angry because they watched the other three AFC North teams all have excellent drafts. I have two things to say about that. Number one, I'm not sure if anybody out there realizes how the draft works, but when you're a bad team, you pick much higher than the rest of the teams. And the way the draft works is you're guaranteed to get the best players in the draft. So, yeah, the Bengals and the Browns had good drafts, quote unquote, right? Can you believe that Joe Burrow slid to number one to the Bengals? Amazing. Yeah, the Ravens had a great draft. They always have a great draft. They draft well every year. They're the Ravens. But by the way, they had a first round pick and the Steelers didn't have a first round pick. And so I think that people, you need to, when you look at the draft, You need to look at what were the Steelers trying to do with this draft? What were they trying to get out of this draft? The things that we talked about, it's clear that they need a little bit more help with the playmakers on offense. I don't know about you, but when the Steelers select a receiver within the first three rounds, I'm pretty excited because that guy's generally going to be a pro bowler. Just sight unseen. The only one that didn't work out, you know, we're not going back to the Lima Swede days, but Marcus Wheaton, who I thought was actually a very good player, got derailed because of injuries. But generally, Steelers selecting one of these guys, this is really encouraging, especially one that has a skill set the other receivers don't have. Number two, we know that they needed to get edge reinforcement because we might be losing Bud and we don't have a backup edge. So now you got a guy who... Yes, he played at a small school, but among the scouts, this was considered a slam dunk. I think everybody was happy with um, 
the Steelers getting Highsmith in the third round. If they had taken him in the second round or something, sure, I would have been pissed off. But this, like, I was much more angry at previous Steelers drafts. Clearly, we see that Terrell Edmonds is not even remotely a first-round pick. But if they had gotten Terrell Edmonds in the third round, I would have been thrilled. You know, it's about value. Where do you get these guys at? What do you need on your team? Now, to me, there wasn't just two more things here. The selection of Josh Dobbs, I thought was idiotic. Completely proven right. He's not even on the team anymore. Mason Rudolph, complete garbage. Yes, I know Mason Rudolph can get better, but they used a third-round pick that they could have used on an edge that year. So we wouldn't have had to you know, use one of those picks at this time. And by the way, they said that they had a first-round grade on, on Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph had plenty of pieces around him last year and was not just bad, he was horrifically bad. Yes, I think he'll get better, but I'm just giving you examples of draft picks that we've taken that I thought were pointless or taken very far out of the range where they should have been taken. Um, and this one, I think my biggest issue with this draft was we do not have, we still don't have a starting nose tackle. The Steelers didn't address that until very late, like sixth round or seventh round or whatever it was, and then an undrafted guy. And then also the depth at safety, highly questionable, and they did not address that either. So those are my main problems. I don't have any problems with the players themselves who were picked. I take a lot of comfort in the fact that the Steeler Brain Trust selected these guys. I mean, let's face it, they not only see the players they work with all year and where the gaps are and where the needs are, they do, the, 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 they're guys who make a living on looking at high school and co- you know, high school through college players. I don't know about high school, but college players. So Sometimes. They, they know this so much better than anybody could. Right. Um, I don't think that the Steelers get cute too often, i.e. Dree Archer kind of picks. Right. So I, and the fact that they picked a nose tackle in the seventh round tells me, you know what, it's not it's not a big position, of, not as big a position of need as you and I have thought, you know, edge rusher, um, and they can get by with what they have, and they can they can sort of plug that hole with with some packages, I guess, if if you if all else, Danny McCullers and Tyson Alualu can right. do the job. Yeah, it's scary, but you're I mean you're right. They're they're telling you at face value what they think of the position or what they maybe what they thought of the value being there but it is it is a little freaky because it's um it's just you, you know they're only playing like 30 percent of the time in that base defense with the nose tackle but you still need one and who knows mccullers has played better every single year kind of shockingly but are you upset uh based on the because by the way i even go back like within these past few drafts they took a freaking long snapper who didn't even make it through training camp? Like there were some, there were some big issues with the pass drafts that I had. Not at the top, but in the middle. I thought every player that they've drafted, particularly the first four guys, um, and, and even later with Antoine Brooks, the safety from Maryland. I think that you've got guys who are gonna play and guys who were very good value for the round that they were selected in. So that that and, and I. Yeah, nobody pointless or extraneous. You could say that about Anthony McFarlane, the running back. Like, oh, we could have got by without a running back. But, again, like, that's the fastest player in the offense now. So, on an offense that does not have much speed. So, I like the idea of, of adding that there. But, I guess we can go we can go one by one if you want to start with Claypool. How did yeah, you, so, you, how did you feel? Well, after I watched the analysis, and by the way, 
we have an updated chart on our website, SteelersOutpost.com, with a link to Chris Sims' analysis of Claypool. I felt a lot better about seeing he, the breakdown of yeah. Claypool's game. 24 minutes um, long. Sort of one of, the, one of the beasts about him is he has this apparent lack of speed. He's a, at least at the combine, he's a 4-4, he's a 4-4 guy. Mm-hmm. So he is really fast. He catches with his hands. I mean, he whether or not he can separate, that's a big question about him. Yeah. He almost doesn't need to. You know, he's right. 6'4". He, he's, a, he's a former high-level basketball player. I think he comes out of Canada, British Columbia, averaging like 50 points a game on <laughs> his high school team. I mean, so the guy, right. I, I just, I like that, the fact that he comes from that sport. He right. can get up in the air. He's really physical. And you can stay hip-to-hip with him, but it won't matter when the yeah. ball goes up in the air. Well, when you have someone like Ben who can throw those type of balls yeah. as well. Um, so I, well, I have a problem with my headphones here, and then we're back. Um, I wanted a receiver that was a deep threat. That was really my thing. I really wanted a speed guy because I feel like they have a decent speed with Deontay Johnson and Juju, but nobody who's really a burner. You have a bunch of sort of technicians. You have James Washington, as we've always said, the deep threat who's not fast. And, like, hey, he showed last year, some he finds a way to bring the ball down even when he's downfield. But I just like the idea of the Steelers having a receiver at all times who can burn people because I've seen how successful those guys are with Ben Roethlisberger throwing the ball, and I know how much that opens up for all those great intermediate weapons that we have like so many of these players make a living underneath with juju deontay even vance ebron down the seam uh connor catching the ball out of the backfield which he does very well so i wanted a guy who could burn deep another mike wallace martavis bryant like sammy Coates to an extent there have been other guys uh, who have filled that role that being said I really like the Chase Claypool selection. Once I got over the fact that we didn't get a burner, it's like, look, number one, first and foremost, I'm going to take the approach that the rest of the national media has taken where it's like, oh, Steelers took a receiver in the top three rounds. Hello, Pro Bowl. Because honestly, that's how they do it. And here's the thing. He's a senior, but he is a little bit of an exception to the rule. He is still on the upswing. So the famous thing everybody's hearing about him is, like you said, he ran a 4-4 at the combine. The guy's 6'4", 400 pounds of muscle. And the only other person to be 6'4 or above and run a 4-4 in the combine, only other person to ever do it in history, Calvin Johnson, Megatron. Now, they don't even really have similar games. In my opinion, Calvin Johnson's basically, you know, God's gift to receivers. He's the he's. He's untouchable. So let's not get them in comparisons. But that does tell you what type of athlete this guy is. And I like what you said about the fact he catches with his hands and he goes up and he and he bodies people and he'll bring it down. And the fact that he played basketball, usually those are cute little anecdotes. Like this guy played baseball in college, so he has this and that. Well, I think it's different when you're talking about big-bodied pass catchers in the NFL. Because he reminds me and a lot of other people actually more of some of those move tight ends like Evan Ingram, who played at Ole Miss and now he's on uh, the Giants. But Antonio Gates and Tony Gonzalez were great basketball players. Uh, Jimmy Graham, another great basketball player 
I mean, you know, he scored a couple points a game in college, but he still played college basketball. It's pretty great, right? So those things all match up. And while I personally value, like, separation, explosivity, and route running a little bit more than I value a big guy who can go up and catch it, there are few guys that really have this type of athletic profile that Chase Claypool has. And while maybe he doesn't look for four speed uh, on the field like as much as you might think, from if you watch that video with Chris Sims and Paul Burmeister, both former college quarterbacks, um, so they have an idea of the speed of these type of guys, they cover Notre Dame. They cover all the Notre Dame home games for CBS. So they've gotten to see this guy play, and they said, you know what? His junior year, he didn't really look like he, he played at that 4-4 speed. But towards the end of that year, it started to look different. And then by the time he got into his senior year, they said it really did look like he took advantage of that 4-4 speed. And I agree. I know I'm long-winded here, but you and I agree this could be really exciting and creative. It just <laughs> depends on if Feetner can take advantage of it. But if you have him and Ebron running seams down the middle of the field, because, by the way, he plays in the slot or outside, Claypool, and then Juju and Deontay on the outsides or, or Washington stepping in there, that's a really stressful situation to put the defense in. So I really like the pick. Oh, by the way, he's also a special team stud. You can play Gunner and do other stuff like that. What's the that biggest tape Gunner with, in history? <laughs> what's the, what's that tape with um, Sims. with Sims? Because yeah. what was really impressive is the way Claypool can track the ball and he can tort his body in midair. He's a to, he's a he's a sideline toe tapper from what we said. So he has great body yes. control. Just a couple other stats about him. He had he broke a thousand yards last year. Sixty six receptions and thirteen receiving touchdowns. He is tied for seventh on the Notre Dame all time touchdown receiving list so great pedigree i think we can both agree we're very excited to see this i wonder and some people have mentioned that he might not convert to tight end but he can be employed as a tight end well i think that it it goes back to what i was saying about him getting compared to these move tight ends like evan ingram or even jimmy graham like those guys are tight ends but they they barely block and even actually eric ebron like we talked about last week on the show he talked to tomlin and he said in so many words like you're, you're not gonna block you're gonna catch touchdowns but you might have to chip somebody once in a while um and that's what you can do with this guy so that's really interesting can you be forward thinking enough with the offense do we trust feetner to do that of course we don't but maybe between him ben and matt canada everybody's favorite well, mr <laughs> <laughs> who had because this guy's from canada there you go we got the canadians and the maryland and we guys got here. two guys from maryland yeah. yeah canada maybe everybody was downplaying maybe this guy's the heir apparent to mike um but either way i i totally agree with you you can sort of play him like a tight end by the way he's a great blocking wide receiver juju's a great blocking wide receiver this is going to improve the run game and unless you really pay attention to stuff like that you're never going to be able to tell on tv but it's going to improve the run game, especially with guys like Connor and like McFarlane who can break long runs. That's generally what they say the secret to long runs is, by the way. Besides, you know, getting past that first level, if you have receivers who can block at the second level, that's what's going to get you those big explosive plays. But I'm um, – oh, one last thing I wanted to say. And by the way, we're spending a lot of time on Chase Claypool. He's the top pick besides the greatest free safety in the NFL, Minka Fitzpatrick. But – 
The other thing about Chase Claypool is uh, the other one he reminds me of is Vincent Jackson, who is one of the only other like big receivers who I've seen who basically plays on the boundary. He's not like Calvin Johnson or Brandon Marshall, who are sort of just absolute super freaks and they could kind of get horizontal a little bit better than some of these guys. But um, like Vincent Jackson and this guy, Chase Claypool, would make them a little bit different is it's not just run straight, jump and catch the ball. They do have nuance to their routes. And when you watch Claypool in the red zone, and they do a great job on the breakdown that Sims did. And by the way, they ended up, they break down a lot of the games that I watched. Whenever I try and watch these guys on YouTube, you can just type in the player's name. So like Chase Claypool, and then Verse, like VS, and then YouTube will auto fill out uh, the opponents that they have film of. So like, oh, Chase Claypool versus Georgia, Claypool versus whatever. I always try and go down the list and obviously watch the best opponents first. And so they have a lot of clips from those games. But Claypool has nuance to his routes where he knows how to set guys up inside before taking one hard cut and going outside or whatever it is. And I think the ability to tiptoe along the sidelines, use your hands along with your body, that is such a basketball player type of thing. Um, Will he get caught up against some great cornerbacks who might be able to jam him initially? Sure, yeah. I mean, you can't be good at everything, right? Um, But, uh, yeah, I think it's an exciting pick, and he doesn't have to come in there and be the man because we feel good about the three guys ahead of him and the two tenants. Did you coin explosivity, or is that that sounds like a – NFL Network or ESPN term. That is a Mel Kiper. No, no, way better, way better. Um, and I'm, of course, I'm just blanking. I'm looking at him in my mind. The punter, oh, Pat McAfee. That's a Pat McAfee. So there's a comedian, Burt Kreischer, a uh, hilarious fat man who parties a lot, and they call him the Machine. And he has a competitive streak in him where he's got this weird thing about him where he says he has a Mickey Mantle gene. So despite him drinking and partying a lot, he can wake up. And, and and do uh, great physical feats of athleticism. And he's actually not wrong. He's kind of got some... It's not the Mickey Mantle gene. It's the Jerome Bettis gene. Because this guy actually didn't train for a marathon and ran it in a decent time. I think it was like under... I don't want to say what the time is because I forget. But anyway, so this guy tried to... Um, he was on a show with Pat McAfee, who's a very funny commentator as well. And he... Um, in his cocky way, Burt Kreischer says, like, I bet you I could be an NFL kicker if I just train for a couple months. And McAfee says, no. No, you can't. You know what the difference between you and I is? Burt says, what's the difference? McAfee says, explosivity. And Burt always tells these stories on podcasts, and that's the cadence they always tell it with. He goes, you know what the difference is? Explosivity. <laughs> and it's, but he's right. That's the difference. I mean, Pat McAfee was known also for laying people out. I mean, he would crush people on kick returns and stuff like that because even the punters are great athletes. But uh, that's the difference. Yeah, he's not a big plotter, Chase Claypool. He does have some explosivity. Do you know what? That's funny because depending on where you went to high school, the (laughs) best player on your high school football team can barely make it a Division III team as a punter. Oh, yeah. That's how much talent's out there. Hey, can we move on? Let's do it. I know we spent about a half hour on him. We need we need to ratchet it back a little bit. But I that's all right. I wanted to say that I, I'm really excited for Alex Highsmith. There's there's nothing I'd love better than have a guy who came from Charlotte, a crappy <laughs> Division Eight team, 
who went seven and six last year, playing the likes of Gardner Webb. Appalachian State's generally good, and they they ended yeah. up uh, losing to Appalachian State. But you know, Florida Atlantic, Western Kentucky. They're, They're not bad. They were the Mustangs. Well, they lost to them. I'll <laughs> just say, here's who they beat. They beat Gardner Webb. And they, by the way, when they win or lose, somebody's always somebody scores fifty points on one end of these games, and sometimes they both score fifty points. Lowest scoring game for them was Western Kentucky when they only scored fourteen points. But North Texas State, does that ring a bell with you? Mean Joe Green. Right. When they name their football team after you when you leave, you know you did a good job. So Miami of Ohio is seriously slacking unless they change their name to the Big Bens. So Alex I. Smith, chosen in the third round, the 102nd pick. He's the consent- compensatory pick for um, Martavis when Martavis went to <laughs> Oakland. 6'4", 240 pounds. He ran a 4'7", 40-yard dash at the combine. So Alex Highsmith, the reason why I like him, explosivity. <laughs> He's the anti-Chicolo. He might not be as girthy, but... This guy actually has some bend, which we've talked about the Steelers' edges for the past few years. But, ah, the one big problem that a lot of these guys have outside of T.J. Watt is none of them really have that bend. So they only they have a, a ceiling on how good you can actually be that way because that's kind of the critical ingredient to be able to get around a tackle fast, get down to the ground so it makes you hard to block, and have the strength to be able to ward them away. Obviously, James Harrison... He was already halfway to the ground, you know, with his short, compact frame. But if you remember watching James Harrison, that's what every pass rush was. It was just that outside rip was unstoppable that way. Well, Alex Highsmith has that. He is a blur off the ball. He has a great fast first step. And if you guys want to watch this yourself, like I said, just go type in Alex Highsmith verse and then whoever. Just pick whatever game you want to watch. I mean, it's even apparent against Clemson that when they hike the ball and you watch all the linemen, who's the first guy that's going to come off the ball? And Alex Highsmith's going to win that battle a lot of the time. I just want to keep pumping our website because I have spent renewed energy on it. And I yes. do have a really um, some clips of him. Uh, they, they did some not just highlight clips. There's actually a nice analysis of him um, during multiple games, Tennessee yeah. and Clemson. Yeah, so he has a little bit more of a pass rusher upside than, you know, Chicolo did, who, who never had that. I mean, he was like a defensive lineman in college. He was supposed to be uh, an edge rusher, but then when he got to Miami, they changed him into a defensive lineman, and the Steelers changed him back to an edge rusher. So he just never really had much to work with there. I think the fears about Highsmith... Uh, we'll talk about the small college thing, of course. That's always a fear. Uh, I want to get back into that because I think your concern is shared by a ton of people who follow the team. Um, but some people do think that he is athletically maybe maxed out a little bit. Like it's going to be hard for him to pack on more poundage to that frame. And at 242, 6'4", 242 pounds, like is he going to be able to hold up against NFL tackles or is he going to get hit with that Bud Dupree early career, I'm going to try and rush around the edge and just get pushed 20 yards behind the quarterback thing. Um, but we will see, either way, phenomenal special teams value, but already probably an upgrade at third pass rusher uh, from what you had in Chickalow last year, so that's why I like the pick. He gets a chance to be groomed. We'll see what happens to him. Even if he doesn't succeed Bud Dupree, 
he could still stay as that third edge position and be a great special teamer, which you need. But I'm curious because he also, like T.J. Watt, like we said with him when he was coming in the NFL, he's surprisingly nuanced with his pass rush moves and his plan. If you watch some of those breakdowns, you'll see him do spin move, rip move, dip around the end, and he's got the the ferocious motor, that same thing where he'll run for 20 yards to catch a quarterback. So... Those are all encouraging things. I like the I like the pick. I like I like the pick where they took him to uh, at the end of the third round in the compensatory uh, area. It was really a position of need. We talked about that position, safety and uh, defensive tackle. This one's probably out of the all of those. You know, the most critical. So I'm glad they they used that pick. My question for you is: <clears throat> Are you just worried? Uh, about this guy because you think that it's a risk um, drafting a guy from such a small school that way. It's like a boom or bust project prospect rather than drafting somebody from Clemson. It's like, oh, maybe he won't be a star, but at least I know he competes against NFL quality people. Exactly. And you, what what are sort of the features we want to see? We want to see somebody who's um, a power five, his dad, his uncle, and his grandfather all were starting at least punters in the NFL before him. You know, there's sort of the, the checklist of things you look for that sort of make it easy to say yes. So you just don't have enough game tape of him competing against high-level competition, period. What's the name of the Gardner Webb? Gardner Webb. Yeah, not a lot of footage on them. Hey, but the Steelers have had success with it before. I mean, Ben... Miami of Ohio, although that's I, I can't count that. He was obviously world famous as going to be a top 10 pick. But uh, the last great one, Javon Hargrave, South Carolina State. Now, surely a few more guys come out of South Carolina State. I think Darius Leonard, the middle linebacker for the Colts, went there, rookie of the year a couple years ago. But, uh, yeah, I don't know how many more have come out of Charlotte. By the way, he walked on at Charlotte. I think almost got the NCAA award or, or did get the NCAA award for um, like a walk-on player, which is kind of shocking because with the walk-on guys, you would think that they're like the more unathletic dudes. And this guy has some athletic uh, athletic power. But that does uh, speak to your point, too, of like, hey, sometimes these guys develop a little bit later. But I think that that applies more towards like the 17, 18, 19, 20 uh, uh, range, but yeah, I'm I'm happy with that pick with Alex Highsmith. I'll be really curious to see what he can do in camp. And we knew that was one of the main positions that they needed to draft. So I think we, you know, first two picks went to wide receiver, get Ben some extra help on offense, and to uh, one of the positions on defense that desperately needed some depth. And hopefully he can give TJ and Bud some breathers in some passing situations. Which brings us to our first of two Terps, fourth round, 124th pick. The Steelers choose Anthony McFarland, running back out of Maryland, a um, red short sophomore. He had a 4.44 a in the 40th during the combine. And he is third in Maryland history with av- an average rush of 6.7 per carry. He had some crazy outlying games, though. If you, It's hard to assess this guy. I mean, he's very fast. It's great game tape, but he has, I'm just looking at the games right now. I mean, he had some crazy breakout games that at, lent itself to that average. Right. He only had a, he only had 600 yards rushing this past season, so he was hampered by a crappy team. Frankly. Maryland always confuses me. It's so sad because, you know, we're stones throw away from Maryland, or at least I was if I was at home with you right now. Yeah. But, damn, they, they had some decent teams while I was growing up, but... 
I don't even know if they they can never stay with the same quarterback for three games because they, they get they get to annihilate it. All their quarterbacks in sequence are injured throughout the season. They can go through five quarterbacks in a season. They just can't keep them up. Yeah, and even with like remember when Sean Davis is playing there, they can't decide if he's a corner or a safety. It just seems like there's always so much turmoil over there. Like you're pointing to those big games that inflated his number. The guy had 298 yards against Ohio State. That, that's insane. Either way, I'll say this. I I love the pickup. I'm very excited about him, but I don't like the fact that they took a running back at this point. This is the fourth round. This is one of two fourth-round picks the Steelers had. Anthony McFarlane, scat back, jitterbug, running back from Maryland. By the way, I know everybody on the Steelers <laughs> Steelers Twitter is saying, oh, Dre Archer, uh, Chris Rainey. This guy is like 20, 30 pounds heavier than both of those guys. So not all scat backs are created the same, right? So let's get that out of the way. But... They took Anthony McFarland at running back, which is a position that the Steelers, we've agreed, that room could use bolstering, but it may not be as desperate as the fact that we have no backup free safety and the fact that there's no starting nose tackle. And by the way, guard, they picked that later. We'll talk about Kevin Dotson next. I love that they picked up that position because you and I have talked about this ad nauseum. The Steelers were lucky to have such a great defense and a quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger who could play without an offensive line during the Super Bowl runs. But we saw what that did. And we saw, like, oh, by the way, you only have to have one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game and one of the best defenses of the era, and that's how you can succeed <laughs> in, the, in those times without an offensive line. So I like the fact that they're not ignoring this sort of changing of the guard and they're sort of preparing for what happens next with, with – you know, the rest of the linemen. But the fact that, getting back to Anthony McFarland, I love that they picked him. I feel like it should have been a safety or a nose tackle. Um, I I really love that they picked this type of running back because the Steelers don't have any player like this on the offense right now. They have no explosive 4-4 guys. I mean, maybe Deontay ran a 4-4 that way, and he's. I, I do think he's pretty explosive he obviously has a lot of similarities to ab and to sanders but you need at least another guy that way and definitely one out of the backfield and that's what mcfarlane is my only question is the steelers have never used a back like this so the the two guys that come to my mind like for your ideal scat back type dude well there's three or four there's like um you know james white in new england duke johnson he used to play for cleveland you know Corey clement who won the super bowl with the eagles and these dudes who will come in on third down or be a change of pace back, and they'll catch a lot of passes. I haven't seen the Steelers use a guy like that. They failed miserably with the gadgety guys that we talked about, Dre Archer and so on, but th- this guy isn't really a gadgety guy. And so I'm not saying that they don't know how to use these running backs. I'm just saying I am a little worried with Feetner being the guy to figure out how that's done because I just haven't seen the Steelers do it before. Rather than if you talk about if the Steelers get a deep threat, I'm like, oh, I've seen this four or five different times. The other thing that I don't like about the pick is he hasn't played special teams. So he seems to be, you know, can he? I have no idea. But is he going to be a one-trick pony? If the Steelers can't figure it out how to use him or he's just not successful at the next level, was he a waste of He didn't return kicks at Maryland? That seems like such a perfect guy to be returning kicks. Yeah, yeah, like two. I wonder if they'll try him there. I, I mean, I would. Although that's an art that you don't want to mess around with too much. But if yeah, you're an athlete, you can catch a damn ball. He had one kick kickoff return for 40 yards. 
Okay. What the hell? <laughs> so that's pretty good. Maryland just baffles me. Uh, that was no, great. No, no, he ran too far. He just gassed everybody. They gassed the rest of the I team. I told you Get to be out of there. Oh, that's hilarious. But, th- yeah, that's a great point. The special teams value is there. So it's funny because I actually love the player. I'm very excited that they got the guy. But the the value and the fact that they picked him when he did, I don't know, I don't know about that. Moving on to the other fourth-round pick at number 135, the Steelers select Kevin Dotson, the aforementioned guard from Louisiana Lafayette. He's a redshirt senior, 6'4", 321. He was one of the five highest-graded offensive linemen in the nation, which tells you how much uh, the coaches or the uh, general managers, what kind of stock they put in those ratings. This guy was chosen 134, but he was... First, uh, first team All American Associated Press, first team All American USA Today, and Sports Illustrated. Curiously, he was the first non combine player selected in the 2020 draft. And I believe the Steelers tried to get him in the combine. They voted for him to go to the combine. I saw something on that earlier today. Okay, so here's the thing this guy, great personality, really funny on Twitter already. Ramon Foster has already reached out to him about wearing number 73 uh, because Dotson said actually that Foster is one of the guys in the NFL that he watched a lot of. He's been called like a mauler, but he had an issue with that saying that I, I, I sort of think that that insinuates I don't have this technique, but I'm a very technique-filled uh, player, which is true. And it's funny because a lot of people say, oh, he's a Steelers lineman. He's a big mauler. And I'm like, I don't know what you've been watching, but the Steelers line has really been led by – you know, DeCastro and, and Pouncey, who are athletic, pulling smaller guys. And obviously you have Foster and, and Villanueva on, on the left side, but I think that that's a little bit of a misconception. Either way, um, is this guy going to be the favorite of the Steelers fans? Because he's a massive Pittsburgh Steelers fan, and he took a picture of him and all of the Steelers paraphernalia uh, after he got drafted by the Steelers. Or are they going to love Chase Claypool because he's a great hard-nosed blocking wide receiver? Or are they going to love Alex Highsmith because he's going to be the next edge that they're going to talk themselves into being James Harrison? Oh, you can let Bud go. You have Ola and Highsmith. I mean, they're not going to love the running back because he's not, you know, he's not a bruiser. But either way, this guy is Steeler written all over him from the personality to the actual play style. And he checks one of the boxes. Is He is a progeny of his uncles who both played in the NFL, Cleveland and Arizona. There you go. Now, here's a question for another day. But he did play for possibly my favorite college team name, the Ragin' Cajuns. Louisiana Lafayette, the Raging Cajuns to the Steelers. You can't get any more perfect in terms of a progression that way. I feel good about that. Is it that. offensive to the um, mixed well, heritage Creole people of Louisiana? Crap. I don't know. That's a good question. Be careful. I'll have to cut this off. Yeah. <laughs> get off that ice. All right, yeah, but that'll even... be a fun thing to do. Uh, maybe we could do that this week. You could tweet that out and we can get some responses. Favorite college team names? Yeah. Slippery Rock. Uh, you know what? You know what their name is? Like the Eagles or something? I think it's The Rock. <laughs> it is The Rock, right? The least creative name. We could do no, least that's creative awesome. name. I'd be pissed if they changed it. Like, you already have enough in the title of your school. Like, how disappointing would it be if they were called, like, the Slippery Rock Golden Frogs? Like, just call it The Rock, baby. That's awesome. Of course. Your high school. Um, still not even sure... You, you have a bulldog. We never even refer to the bulldog as the actual right. symbol, but your Hoya mascot is the Hoya. Hoya Saxa. 
That's right. The rock. What rocks, it means. What rocks. Right. A Georgetown student said that back in the 1700s. <laughs> Antoine Brooks is the second Maryland Terp, selected in the sixth round at 198. He was a senior, 5'11", 215. It's called a, it's called a safety, but... Um, kind of a box guy, guy, yeah. Yeah, he, he is a flexible guy, something that the, the Tomlin noted he likes in him. So I had actually just tweeted at Alex Kazora earlier today... Um, I asked Alex, you know, great Steelers, I don't know if you call him a beat writer or whatever, but Steelers, I don't know. The guy knows the Steelers. Either way, you guys know Alex, right? Um, And I said, like, hey, doesn't this kind of remind you of the Marcus Allen selection? Because it's sort of another safety. It's like, well, he's a safety, but he doesn't make any interceptions. So we're going to play him at dimebacker. And I feel like every year we add a new guy. It's like, this could be a dimebacker. And then the guy's off the team in a year. Well, the difference is Antoine Brooks actually has a couple clips of him making some some gorgeous interceptions, but he's not going to make any for the Steelers at at this level. That's not really his strength. And there's even talk about maybe converting him to a linebacker at a certain point, which is sort of interesting. So, yeah, he does interest me as a dimebacker, not to be redundant that way. Um, It's just funny seeing the Steelers take all these Maryland guys. You know, they think that you'd think that Sean Davis would have scared him off. But I guess Chad Scott did, did all right back in the day but uh yeah tomlin's son i guess goes to maryland and matt canada obviously was the coordinator at maryland so it is funny like football guys they like their guys and and maybe there's there's um maybe there's a rhyme and reason to that too you know when you talk about mcfarland it's like is he the best jitterbug runner in the nation like i mean no he would have gotten drafted earlier but like, how much better is the guy who gets drafted in the third round than him when Matt Canada says, like, this guy's good enough to do what I want him to do? Kind of like what Shanahan does, Kyle Shanahan does in San Francisco. It's like, oh, I don't need the best running back, but I need the running back who – I need one who fits this, you know, set of skills, and I know how to use him because I know exactly what the guy can do and can't do. Um, that's why I let him return one kick for 40 yards and took him off the field, but – what I found interesting was that he was Maryland's most valuable <clears throat> player this past year, and he led the Big Ten in the country, or the Big Ten with an average, with his uh, six tackles per game, but it was only his second team, all Big Ten. It's kind of a mixed bag. Maybe he, he just had, he was prolific because Maryland was on its back so much and on defense. Well, I assume the entire first team is just Ohio State's starting offense and defense for the Big Ten stuff. But, um, hey, another interesting thing, actually, now that we're talking about these Maryland guys, is there was some rumor by, a, like, a non-blue checkmarked rando uh, from Baltimore who's a Ravens fan. I don't know how this got taken so, like, seriously by people, but there was, he said, I live in Baltimore. I got a lot of in. I got an in with University of Maryland. Steelers select another problem character in running back Anthony McFarland from Maryland, and he told some story about how the coaches wanted him to declare and or he wasn't going to touch the ball, and he cussed them out and tried to like point it as the Steelers take, oh, yet another uh, poor character guy coming from the team that has literally two murderers on their team in the past 20 years. <laughs> but either way, I think that that's A, a, a crazy unfounded story a lot of people came out and 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 talked against it and then i don't remember the guy's name but there is a practice squad lineman for the steelers who they got from last year from who went to maryland and he was hyped about getting mcfarland and mcfarland had all kinds of maryland teammates tweeting him uh that they were pumped and they had you know these two guys are pumped to play together uh, so that really shows you how 
wrong that report is. He's clearly very well liked, and then Matt Canada says that he loved him. So Derwin Gray, I think he was our seventh round. Oh, Derwin pick Gray, last right, year. right, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so just in case anybody is wondering about those reports, it's, it's unfounded. Check the check mark. That's what the blue check is about. So the Steelers round out their choices in the seventh round at number 232 with Carlos Davis, defensive tackle from Nebraska, redshirt senior, 6'2", 313. He was also, in addition to his football prowess, an All-American track and field discus thrower player. That's pretty cool, but I need you at at least 380 or above if you're playing nose tackle for the Steelers. Uh, I guess they did. It sort of reminds me of when they took Isaiah Bugs last year, you know? Really late uh, prospect there. I do think that they signed another guy from either Ole Miss or something yeah. like that, right? Another defense tackle. Yeah. So they didn't prioritize the nose tackle thing early, but they did bring a couple guys in late. And obviously we saw the safety was brought in late, but that still doesn't – Anton Brooks doesn't address my concern. We have some backup, you know, hard-hitting safety. We have Marcus Allen already, but we don't have anybody you can play in the back end still. So I have no idea what they're going to do unless there's someone still floating around out there. But, yeah, Carlos Davis, seventh-round pick. You're going to try and get that defensive tackle, nose tackle room. Uh, try and get something together and scrounge it between Big Dan and – Bugs and Davis and the other guy they brought in. So we'll see. It's a seventh-round pick, though. What are you going to say? I was going to ask you to slap a grade on here, but I, I actually think it would be foolish. It's just, yeah. what, do you, what do you know? Right. Yeah, we, we have no idea. Up. I'll say yeah. this. I was satisfied um, at the players they picked. There was nobody who was a total gadget, total out-of-left-field guy. I think every player uh, fits a need. You get a wide receiver, a big play wide receiver. You know, We know we needed that. You get a, a an explosive running back. You needed another explosive player on offense. Thanks for helping Ben that way. You know you needed an edge player. You got a good guy there. Consensus, the whole scouting community has Alex Highsmith as a, as a good value pick for where the Steelers got him. Does that mean he's going to be great? We have no idea, but at least it wasn't a, a crazy Artie Burns reach or Terrell Edmonds that way. And then guard, you and I agree. We think that we, we had said this since probably midseason that we had our eye on the Steelers' offensive line. Like, hey, you can't just be worried about the starters. You have to make sure this depth doesn't go up, and you need to have options to move guys around from tackle and guard. So you got that. You got a safety, Antoine Brooks. Again, I really wish it was somebody who played in the back end a little bit more. And then you got a defensive tackle. You know, you needed that. So there were no pointless quarterbacks drafted. There's no long snappers, no Five foot four guys, nothing like that. That feels good. And I feel like all these players were productive players. And um, yeah, only time will tell at this point. So we have multiple easy ways to get to us. I'd love to hear from the Outpost family whether you, you're happy with this, you're not happy, you're neutral. So at the end of the show, you know, we list our various channels. So we'd love to hear from you and we'll talk about it next week. The only other bit of news, and there's some other things we'll do next week is, as Nick mentioned earlier, Bud Dupree did sign his franchise tender. He's slated to make $16 million. If he somehow finagles his way to be labeled a defensive end, he could be set for $18 million. Anyway, good news, and I know they're still trying to negotiate a contract with him. Right. And uh, I really hope they get that done because it just seems if Bud can maintain, you've got an insurmountable defensive front. Hey, and think, I mean— the Steelers have three Heisman Trophy quarterbacks in their division now. I mean, I'm not thrilled about this Joe Burrow development, but if you have Lamar Jackson in your division, 
you really have to be able to seal those edges off. So I do think the Steelers will make a hard push to try and retain these guys to have another Harrison Woodley type of situation. But fingers crossed, uh, we'll see. At least they know that they'll have him for one more year. So we have a lot more to talk about going forward. We'd like to hit off of what you guys think. So visit our website at SteelersOutpost.com. I have a lot of information, an easy-to-read chart on there with links so you can check out some of the game film more easily and links to the combine numbers. Check us out on Instagram at SteelersOutpost. Hit us up on Twitter at SteelersOutpost. Or just shoot us an email, you know, old-fashioned email, SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte.